the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Milwaukee and Bellator Hawaii Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com five days a week. Well, except weeks like this on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. And that's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Hopefully it's before the fight. One of two... Uh, or should I say three fights uh, this this weekend? Obviously, there's there's more going down than that. But for what all we'll have time to cover, this will be coming out in the wee hours of Monday morning East Coast time, uh, as well as Pacific time. It's being recorded uh, uh, nighttime, about uh, 9:45 p.m. Uh, Hawaii time right now. So my 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 clock's all messed up and this and that. I'm not going to complain, man. I'm definitely not complaining as far as the. Uh, the media beat that I'm on this week. It's not even the media beat. Uh, obviously, Junkie uh, sent out the A-team, uh, Morgan and uh, Kenny. And uh, we uh, we actually just wrapped an MMA roadshow. Nice, nice spirited episode. So, obviously, uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably already subscribed there. If not, give them a subscribe. Make sure you listen to that episode. It was a fun one. We break down a lot of the media stuff and takeaways uh, from this week, which I'll get into. But I'll try not to tread the same ground uh, you know, and try to stay relevant because there will be some irrelevant and, and personal stuff that I tease. And you know what? It is goddamn relevant to this show, me, and even Hawaii uh, and, uh, and, and the spirit of this podcast as I will intertwine as we unwind. Reminder. On that note, uh, I do timestamp, so I do uh, I do try to try to compensate for these rants, if you will. Uh, so check the show notes, uh, whether you're listening to it through iTunes or the smartphone-friendly players that are provided on MixedMartialAnalyst.com. You can go there, click on it, press play on your smartphone, exit, and go about your texts or Tinders or whatever you you kids are doing, and the podcast can still play. Close the screen. Pause. It's, it's like you're using your your, your iTunes app, essentially. Uh, so there's no problem there. Uh, that said, yes, I know SoundCloud, Stitchers, this and that. But the things that I also have teased, uh, working and restructuring, will allow for more time to address those issues. Needless to say, if you're not an iTunes subscriber, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com has you covered. And either we'll have the show notes where I, I timestamp when I get into which card. And uh, also at the end, when I recap my picks and plays, I'm going to be light on the plays. Guys, honestly, obviously I'm out here in Hawaii. Uh, and... Uh, Again, um, I'm credentialed at the event, and I'm doing media stuff, as you've been hopefully been following my Instagram story. I don't usually plug that too much, but I'm going to plug it here again. Dan underscore Tom underscore MMA. You can follow me. It's mainly dog, food, and mixed martial arts picks on the occasion. Uh, and, but, and the stories, uh, yeah, I've, I've been uh, lighting them up with, uh, with a bunch of fun stuff, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, so go, so, so go check that out. But yeah, I'm out here. Uh, I'm staying with uh, my grandma, which I'll, I'll, I'll dive into a little deeper here in a second. Uh, it was her birthday and, uh, you know, she turned 87 yesterday and, uh, you know, as you all know, I mean, you know, hopefully I know 
there are you know situations and stuff. I have adopted people in my family. Hell, my mom was adopted, so I don't want to alienate people who don't have quote unquote uh, family members or family ties of your traditional structures, grandmothers or grandfathers. But but most of you know, yeah, you know, grandmothers and grandfathers get old, and uh, not everybody's around forever. So uh, really want to enjoy that time and. Uh, Work is a uh, work is a uh, amazing, but at the same time, as, as I've I've learned this last year, you gotta balance it out and see, make time for family and relationships and friends and all those important things. And uh, man, grandma's really, really, really at the top of the list toward uh, important things that are that are still living for sure. And uh, so I really want to make it out for her birthday, and uh, literally like five days after I committed that to her. Uh, Bellator announces they're going to be bringing Bellator Hawaii, and uh, I was stoked. So I, you know, I was, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to extend my trip because my grandma's uh, birthday party is on a Tuesday, and her birthday is on Wednesday. You know, so and that that's when media is going to start. So yeah, that kind of works out uh, perfectly. Um, and uh, yeah, sure enough, and of course, everybody at Junkie was great and worked with me and uh, helped me get a uh, set uh, uh, set up on that side uh, and. Uh, and yeah, I was able to rendezvous with the guys, and, and the media stuff's been great. Again, I'm not going to get into it too much. Uh, I'll, I'll get it'll 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 come up apropos as I break down uh, the cards. I'll just be going over the just the big just the big fights on those cards or the main main cards of those cards. So they'll come up that way organically, anyways. And again, I don't want to retread over too much stuff. We just, we, just, we you know that's either on MMA Junkie or, or you know just covered it in the Roadshow. You should go check out. Double plug there. Uh, but yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm going to pull up my notes here because I actually have, have a decent amount of them. Um, yeah, so anyways, uh, I, I, I came up here uh, kind of to mix mix, mix uh, business with uh, with pleasure. And, uh, you know, let me just, let me see what I got here. Let me just knock this uh, a couple notes of UFC 231 before I get too deep into the, because the Hawaii stuff will, will just tie in and we'll, 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 go, we'll, we'll go ahead and, uh, Get into the Bellator breakdown. You know what I'm saying? We'll speed, try to try to speed this train up because uh, not giving you guys too much listen time, uh, at least for the Friday card. Uh, I know the UFC card is you know is the main one, right? And then the Saturday is the main one for Bellator. So you got plenty of time to listen to those. You got over 24 hours, but yeah, only so much for. Uh, Bellator 212, which will be time-stamped to get in the show notes. Yeah, usually 231. Not not too much to recap over that. Uh, I'll, obviously Holloway. Uh, great, great win. Um, you know, uh, my only skepticism was the health. That's why I was skeptical. But if, if you read my breakdowns or you listen to me talk to the guy, talk about the guy, um, you'll know that uh, that was no surprise in the way he did it. Uh, again, one of the things I've been, I've been preaching. And what's kind of cool is, is uh, hearing that term more. And, and um, uh, but building, he's a builder, uh, and uh, we saw the more superior builder, the guy who builds on success, as opposed to the guy that builds off failure. You know, you, you, know uh, you build off failure, you're a clutch player, and we all love a clutch player in sports. But, um, but yeah, man, you can't, um, you can't, you can't, you can't rely on that in MMA, uh, especially against a guy like Max Holloway, who has five, six, seven answers. Forget the one or two uh, clutch, uh, you know, uh, you know, clutch hail, hail marys, hail, hail marys he can throw. Uh, and then, although again, I'm not. I don't want to put out as anything official and, or retread it too much. But uh, as John Morgan revealed on the MMA Roadshow, uh, I'll just say word in the street is Ortega was was dealing with illness. Not taking anything away from Max, but I just say that because it shows how much of a tough 
SOB Brian Ortega is because again, uh, just because uh, uh, I was on this on the side of the Hawaiian here doesn't mean I don't love both guys. I'm a real big fan of Brian Ortega. The guy's a gem, salt of the earth. Uh, he took time to you know go to Texas Day Brazil with the Junkies after uh, after interview. Uh, uh, a fight week a couple months ago, and uh, just I wasn't able to go to that, but but my interactions with him and from what I heard, just just you know, genuine guy through and through. So that was cool. Slow down on the greatest featherweight of all time. It's uh, Aldo in my book. I don't think that's a question. Again, people, it's not uh, who would win right now. Um, it's not head-to-head -head matchups necessarily. Uh, it's body of work, and I think people forget that. And uh, though I think Max Holloway will go to 155 and can do well there. Again, let's slow down. There's way too much crowding at the top. Let's stop introducing names, you know. If we want to do fun fights, let's do fun fights that aren't, uh, you know, involved with the title, uh, so to speak, or lack thereof of a solid title picture right now because uh, Habib's on the sidelines uh, or whatever you want to call it, and which sucks because we all want to see him fight and fight Tony. That's the fight that needs to happen. All right, and JJ Shevchenko, uh, I just want to say, you know, that was that was great. Uh, but I just want to say the commentary, obviously, which was being talked about for both fights. And I went over this on the MMA Roadshow, and I, uh, but I do, it is worth repeating here. And I wrote sell versus, I don't know if this is the right word, but I wrote sell versus um, analyze. It's something that I have trouble with because, you know, you, like, we shot a preview video, um, we shot a preview video at the resort uh, that's up on Junkie right now. You guys should go check out. Uh, and I love those things; they're great. Um, MMA fighting does them. Um, you know, I, I know, I know y'all y'all check those out. Uh, I dig it. I I get it. Um, they're they're cool. But when you're doing those things, or when there's a break in the action, or the fight past Cardin's early, and they got to cut to the commentary booth, and the commentators have to go into that preview mode as well. It's tough because you can't, even though the odds are 700 to 1 on this guy or this guy, you can't just say, uh, you know, you can't just say, uh, for example, uh, A.J. McKee, you know, ridiculous odds uh, to beat uh, Crawford. Uh, you can't just say, yeah, A.J. McKee's going to smash the shit out of Crawford. Tune in, guys. Like, that's not really, you know, say what you will about media, your thoughts about media, et cetera, et cetera. We think we all can agree that that's not, we, it's not acceptable. Nor is it fair, obviously. So uh, that's a, that's an obvious, that's an extreme, granted, but 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 it serves as a point, and and that you have to be fair and find more strategic ways, which I would like to hope thinks you know uh, forces better media. I know it forces me to be more creative and me more, uh, to be at least attempt to be more better at my job. I don't. That's not for me to judge, but 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 for what it's worth, attempt to be more better at my job, where you have to frame it in a certain way. And you know, oh, I'm excited to see what, what, what you know what what he has to offer. Uh, he grows each time out. Yada yada. Even if it kind of sounds a bit contrite, but or, you know or you know common. But uh, it's it's it, it it it's kind of you know it's kind of the gig. Whereas now you're color commentator and you're kind of putting on the analyst hat or what I'm doing as an analyst and or or you know a a a a, a service it's a free service because it's a free podcast but I still consider it a service on my end uh, that's why I stress myself to research even when I'm not having to write these articles anymore I'm still trying to stress myself to do this research to get you these podcasts and again albeit admittedly light-footed uh for this one i think you guys can forgive me again and understand why but, but yeah the point is it's, it's a fine balance right and sometimes what i what i'm getting to is that the hats get crossed over now there's a lot of criticisms on rogan already i've been 
uh, more critical than I would like to be on Rogan because I really, uh, uh, really do like the guy. Um, and uh, but, but but so I'm not I'm not I'm not going to pile on or nor is it my intention uh, to do so there. But let's just forget all that for a second. And just look at look at the the critical analysis of what he was doing, uh, which is fair. You know, you calling a fight that it, 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 like it's even when it's really more one-sided, right? Uh, was essentially everybody's argument, so to speak, what it got boiled down to. And it's easy to get those hat confused, is what I'm going to say, like in defense of Rogan or any of these, uh, anyone put in that position. Because I know I've done it myself, man. I got caught saying it myself where you just start, and you almost start convincing yourself. And, and, and it comes through, uh, especially in podcasts like this where I have to divulge my points and really fine tooth and pick apart. Uh, and while staying consistent with what I'm previewing and saying there, even though I am admittedly, again, packaging it more politically, we all have to. That's that that is life. Uh, you got you know we could translate the politics that are often criticized upon the media. If we actually replace apples for oranges, it's all fruit. We all have to deal with some sort of that in our work environment. Now, some things much more unfair and unethical for sure, and we do deal with those things in the sport, as you guys know. You got, this isn't the podcast to get into it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. This, there's always controversies left and right. What I'm saying is, it's just you got to be a little more understanding of the, of the position. Um, and again, I'm I'm not saying you can't be critical. I'm not saying you should have been critical. I'm not saying it wasn't deserved, uh, because even I was scratching my head. Right? I scored all five rounds for JJ, or, or not JJ for Shevchenko. Um, but what I'm saying is, it, 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 I think what you, it, when you get the hats mixed, you ca- or you don't catch yourself. What you what you end up doing is, if you don't catch yourself, you end up doing. You end up representing the other side a little too much to where now it's interfering with your analysis role. You're still in preview mode. I hope that makes sense. I'm a little bit long-winded with that. It's like 14 or 15 minutes in, so I want to get going. Um, but, yeah, that's all I wanted to say on my UFC 231 recap. It's been um, talked to death, and there's just been too much cra- <laughs> Well, crazy is, is kind of the normal, but it's been crazy weird in every which way. And, again, this isn't the podcast, nor am I the dude, whether it's MMA or in real life politics, uh, really interested or gossip or in general, really interested in any of that shit. So this isn't, uh, yeah, the podcast for that, but yeah, that's pretty much it for my recap of that week. As I go through that, sorry, I'm, I'm just needlessly pontificating there and into this week, which was awesome because again, now we are back to Bellator Hawaii. We are moving forward folks. Sorry. Uh, it's been a long day. (laughs) It's been a long day. And again, I'm not going to complain. I know uh, there are plenty, you know, uh, plenty of my fellow colleagues on the beat, uh, on much less sleep and much less and much more colder weather. Uh, so I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, believe me, I'm not, I'm not going to complain. Which brings me to warmer weather in Hawaii, though. Yes, um, I got here is awesome, but it's, it's rainy. It's actually really rainy and windy, and the weather can be unpredictable. And uh, I'm gonna crack one open here. Ah, there we go. Sound effect came through. That's my gimmick. Did it on the last podcast. Got to do it on this one. All it was a can, it's a bottle. By the way, I'm drinking um, Island IPA from uh, Kona Brewing Company. I, I never really was a big fan of uh, uh, Kona Brewing Company. Like I think I said, the Longboard. Or, uh, I don't know. I wasn't as in a, uh, a beer at the time, so maybe it was one of those uh, unfair impressions. But now it's just more of a thing where I. Even though I'm kind of a beer snob, and I, I definitely was drinking some craft beers uh, the other night too much, 
Fucking bartender started giving me double IPA. I, I, I made the mistake. I'm like, whatever IPA you think is good. He's like, West Coast double. I'm like, fuck, all right, damn it. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, three rounds later, I was in trouble. Anyways, neither here nor there. But I, 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 I drink this beer. Unab- not that it's terrible, but I, I just drink it unabashedly because it just makes me feel like I'm in Hawaii. I associate it when, in Hawaii when I did have it the first time out. Hey, shouts to Uncle Paul. I didn't get to see my Uncle Paul this weekend, but... He's always liking and sharing my work on the old uh, on Facebook, and I know I know Facebook sucks. I hate it too, guys. Uh, I don't get on there much, but um, if you follow and like uh, at the PYN Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, thankfully it's the same address at the PYN Podcast. It helps me a lot, and I don't spam. All I do is I really just post when my episodes are out, so I won't spam your feed. But uh, yeah, um, shouts to Uncle Paul, Longboard IPA. Um, Wow, Dan, you really getting sidetracked real easy today. Uh, but yeah, uh, the weather's been a little bit crazy, and it really, you know, uh, r- reminds you of uh, of why, uh, you know, and it's kind of put off as an excuse now because there's some politics behind the scenes. Which I was actually talking to some local reporters who were kind of, you could tell, you know, like it's 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 cool because like uh, this is the first time I'm actually like officially credentialed for an event. By the way, if that makes, it, I think it is. Is it? No. Well. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say ACB, uh, but they they, they fucked up my... (laughs) That's another story. But, uh, no, uh, yeah, yeah, this is my my first credential event. So, you know, all all the things you hear, you know, uh, uh, again, especially if you listen to the uh, aforementioned uh, Roadshow, I'm going to start charging them five cents for all these books. No, just kidding. Uh, you, you listen to you know any any of the journalists on the beat, and you, you hear these things, and you get with the local media. And it's always funny. They're like, uh, all right, which one's a local fighter? Because they're just focusing on who the local fighter is. They don't really, not too familiar with the sport. The camera woman was really friendly. She introduced herself to me, and but it was her first time um, covering com- a combat sport, and it was great. And her colleague was like, she, she like I guess I, I I was I wasn't really listening to the conversation, but I started tuning in at the point where she goes, "There's gonna be blood." <laughs> And even her colleague kind of gave her the eyes, like, yeah. And she was wearing white, uh, even though it was a media that was obviously had to wear blood at a media event. But the fact that she was wearing white, he, he immediately spots it and goes, oh, and by the way, speaking of which, don't wear that or anything white. <laughs> She's like, what? why can it get on me? And we just, we both just kind of look at each other. <laughs> oh, I love it. But uh, that being said, that actually was, that. Not need me needlessly rant, uh, giving you a story again, but that's actually provides context. They weren't, um, you know, the most educated on it, but uh, even they both knew actually, kind of, or not knew because no one knows, but confirmed that um, uh, the, the rumor essentially when you hear the rumors of UFC outbid, the rumor at least around Hawaii is, is that they outbid the Pro Bowl. And Pro Bowl obviously is a normal thing, it's a big thing, this really big business. Um, I've, I've visited here many times while the Pro Bowl was in town, and I just see I see the difference. Um, I kind of don't complain because a lot of a lot of the times, just a lot, lot, a lot of cheerleaders and stuff like that as well. Just walking the streets of Waikiki, I'm like, oh, all right, okay, well, more more the merrier, I guess. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, but <laughs> but but yeah, Pro, Pro Bowl does like big business out here. Um, so, uh, yeah, and just like Vegas, there's numbers attached to events and, and capacities and politics, venues, all these things come into play. But 
that aside, uh, the weather really is, is, is Mother Nature is, is, is the is, is the gatekeeper here, guys. Uh, for, at least for the current stadium, uh, because it, it's so sporadic. You know, uh, again, if you follow my Instagram story, and uh, I think I may have posted this one um, on my Twitter, but again, if you follow my Instagram. It uh, I put, you know, I post pictures. Uh, it's great. My grandma's uh, apartment. Uh, it's a great overlook. I can actually see Blaisdell Arena where the fights are going to go down. Uh, from here, it's actually just like a mile walking distance, and uh, and you see Honolulu, downtown, all that, all that stuff, and then to the left, and like actually right where the room I'm at, like my, uh, it's, it's sweet. The uh, the head of the bed is at a window that that, that stays open because the the air is so fresh out here. You just leave it open. There's no need for AC. I run a you know you run a ceiling fan light just to kind of spread it around a little bit but uh you know it, it and I, I need ceiling fans somewhere like that neither here nor there but uh it's great i got a view of my old uh apartment and my old apartment that i grew up in is right below the hill i grew up on uh called pacific heights and my both my grandparents lived there um and this is crazy you know um uh, my last name is tom which is weird because it's a first name for a last name a lot of american uh Last name uh, Toms, surnames that are Toms are T-H-O-M. Um, but just like you hear about the Italians getting their names rearranged at Ellis Island when they immigrated to the United States, well, that they weren't the only ones. Or Ellis and Ellis Island, obviously, they were obviously one of those. But and Ellis Island wasn't the only place where that happened. A lot of Asians migrated through, mainly toward California, San Francisco, and Hawaii. I mean, even when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, estimated near. 25 to 35 percent of the island was Japanese guys back in 1941. Um, Chinese was a heavy population. You see it in the architectures of the building he, buildings here in Hawaii. Um, again, it, it's kind of a multicultural pot. I was, I was explaining a bit on the MMA Road show, show again. Uh, sorry to keep repeating that here. But uh, I, I do hear because I actually, I don't know if I said it incorrect, but in case I did, I know I wasn't clear as I often am not. Uh, so I want to correct myself here before my, especially my fellow Hawaiians coming with pitchforks. But um, I was saying that Hawaii was the last state, but I quickly tied it into the story uh, about our, our queen. I believe the year was 1893, um, and I didn't want to get that confused. And I, you know, you know where, the, where, the, where the queen was essentially <laughs> held at gunpoint while the uh, statesmen uh, uh, instituted their uh, instituted their their new law and uh, made us a territory. Um, while while blood was being spilled right outside of her uh, palace doors, essentially, it was really the movie was made about it. I should have really researched it. Uh, I didn't before then, and I didn't before now because I just, I, I uh, yeah, I'll save you the story. Uh, it, was, it was just rushing to get home and get this out because I'm already late with it. But yeah, um, it, a lot of history on this island of of blood spill, and of course we became a state later in 1959, uh, the 50th state of the United States. Um, but a lot of history of just, you know, I mean, you know, Polynesians, I mean, you know, I even have Portuguese in my family, uh, uh Gomes, Gomes is a, is, a, is a portion of my family and like, and I'm sure, I think I talked to Brad Tavares, but that's why, you know, why is Tiago Tavares, but Brad Tavares is Hawaiian and Tiago, uh, Portuguese, Portuguese, Portugal, Brazil, uh, boating cultures. Like I, I, I even have, uh, you know, you do those DNA tests, um. Uh, a, a little bit of African African blood in me, and uh, you got to again. You, when you when you start tracing, uh, you know, migrations, uh, ships, whether it was uh, through you know, Spaniards exploratory or 
uh, unfortunately, the slave trade, which which which, which did pass through uh, parts of here, and you know it. it um, it's crazy, man. When you really, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make this a history, a history, uh, history podcast. Shout out to Patrick Wyman if you want a history podcast. Go, go check out his uh, Tides of History there. But, but yeah, man. I mean, there's just a a, a culture of uh, adversity to get here. It's, it's an island. I mean, we talk about the adver- at least in the United States, people. We talk about the the the, the treks out west. Lewis and Clark wrote about it. Movies. Games, whatever you know, it's it's, it's a really reference thing, and, and people were so tough. They made it from the east of the world. How the fuck tough you got to be to get in a fucking rickety boat when that's not even like much of a technology at the time? Not like they had cruise lines, people. And let's go out in the titling Atlantic, where there's just great white sharks, fucking blue whales that are just not, you know, you just you, even if they don't come out surface under you, you imagine how freaked out you'd be. You're just you're, you're there's, there's no internet or movies referencing you to what a fucking blue whale or uh, looks like and all of a sudden they just start surfacing you know insane um i mean and and even just near the island i mean i was able to see some some whale surface a couple uh a couple of uh you know not a couple wow long time six years ago it was my last time i actually went on a vacation here i was here back in 2015 the card at that time folks was rafael dos años was still the champion and he defended successfully against Donald Cerrone that UFC on Fox. God, was it 27 or something? Then Nate Diaz calls, calls him out. And I was just drunk off my ties and the power at the bar we were watching. I kept going out. So anyways, but uh, I don't know if I got to do too much there. The podcast definitely wasn't going. I was working with the MMA latest at the time. But, yeah, that was not the, the, uh, the happiest trip because uh, my, my other grandmother uh, passed away. I, I know we're at 25 minutes, folks. I, again, timestamp if you want to fast forward, and I will get to. Uh, I will be speeding through here. I'm, I'm segueing in here. But, yeah, uh, a lot of, lot of war and, adver- you know, a lot, lot, of, lot of adversity, and I think that builds tough people. And we talk about that with Dagestan, right, that region. It's, 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 it's talked about for a reason, and there, there's something to that. And uh, so when people ask... Why, you know, why do Hawaiians fight so much? Why is it so ingrained in their culture, even if they're fighting each other? Why are they so naturally inclined and kind of built for it when they do? All the frames of them, whether they're, they're thick guys like Cabbage Correa, or, uh, guys that just look like a normal guy like a BJ Penn, or skinny guys like Max Holloway. They're, they're, they seem built to fight, and I think there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's something to that. And... Not just the Rumble and the Rock and Elite XCs and all, or, you know, Show XC shows and uh, Super Brawls, right? Um, man, I mean, they just saw so much MMA back in the day and all that, and, and I'm sure that, that, that that'll be talked about, but it goes deeper than that, you know? I mean, even uh, uncles and whatnot of mine that were in martial arts from uh, the Kenpo Karate side to the Kung Fu side um, and just tell stories, you know? Uh, going down to the harbors and getting in scraps and that's how you really knew who the badasses were and who whose shit worked because there wasn't mixed martial arts to now you have to go mix your martial arts on the street or you know and 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 yeah it doesn't sound very traditional martial arts like that that's how it went out here even within the traditional martial arts i mean that's how much fighting is ingrained in this culture that's how much it bleeds through um, I hope that didn't come off as a rant. I hope that it was actually somewhat informative. Uh, and it's just my opinion. And, again, there are probably things that are incorrect that I didn't properly fill in. But, uh, but yeah, um, th- 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 there's a lot there. 
And as far as my roots, I just mentioned, unfortunately, um, the passing of one grandma, which happened, you know, uh, back in 2015. My other grandma, who I just mentioned, 87 years strong, uh, she, you know, is, is a big reason why I'm, I, why I'm doing this, you know. Um, she's a real special lady, man. I mean, she's, she's a Chinese woman, uh, okay. Um, her, her mother came over from China. Her mother, I have memories of her. She didn't speak at the time. Uh, she died in 1992 at the age of 107. She was born in China when there was an emperor. Uh, and you can tell because she, all, she had small feet because they bound the woman's feet back then. Uh, so my great-grandmother uh, had to go the rest of her life with these little bound feet so they couldn't get away. You know, they had to be staying in the house. That was the, the fucked up thinking. And, uh, and didn't matter, man. She fucking made it from the 1800s uh, to 1992, man. And uh, so that, you know, and uh, my, her, her daughter, uh, she, had, she had a couple of kids, but her daughter, her one daughter, her daughter was uh, uh, my grandmother, Doris. And, uh, and yeah, uh, she had a, a weird affinity for, for, uh, for sports, which I'll touch back on in a second here. And uh, she's a special lady. She 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 had three kids who all all done done well for themselves. One of them being which my father. And after you know, kind of raising the kids and they get out to college. I mean, that's a that's a that that's enough for for for, for most ladies, especially back then. But she just didn't feel like she was uh, making making use of herself. Uh, and she wanted to do more. And she had a lot of skills. And she was a smart lady. She knew numbers. Uh, she worked with numbers very well, which will come into this podcast and gambling in one second, folks. Um, and uh, she worked for an airlines, which I, I don't have, but it was actual reputable airlines. It was owned. Sorry, you're going to hear motor speedways. I've had the window open. It's a nice breeze. And I did sound tested, so it shouldn't be overtaking, but you will hear sirens and stuff. Uh, it gets it does get sketchy down in parts of Honolulu. But, um, you know, uh, sh she uh, she worked for an airline. Uh, and and ran it for people who owned it in the United States, just just through some rich, uh, rich howlies. Uh and they just ha had a local lady run it, and she was like, I'm, you know, she, she was like George Young and Blow, right? She was like, I'm getting middle, <laughs> I'm getting fucking middle. I'm doing ninety percent of the legwork, and I'm only reeking in twenty percent of the profits. And then she got so much experience running the business because she was essentially running the whole business, which was insane at that time. She was already, by the way, getting awards from uh, and. I, I tried to get these exact names. I actually tried to do this homework, but my grandma's a, a bit old. You know, older memory's not great, and she doesn't have these things laying around, guys. But she actually got legitimate awards from business, so long-standing business associations, accrediting uh, her not as the first Asian woman because they didn't really recognize that. I mean, you're lucky to be, even be recognized as a woman back then. You know what I'm saying? Women weren't doing things, much less getting recognized. I mean, the the the, the only that the you know the. the the women's empowerment movement wasn't, it was in effect, but it, it sadly wasn't as strong for them. And uh, she got, she was, yeah, she was the first woman for just uh, being a business, uh, a business owner when she went and, and, and uh, made her own business because she realized she was getting middled, which was scenic air. But even, even then as achievements of just, just, I think it was about four or five total uh, that she actually holds the record for uh, Doris, Tom, uh, and then maybe Doris Larger Deer under some of the different names because she she did get uh, she did get remarried to my old uncle Carl. And uh, and yeah, man. So I mean, uh, she uh, she she's a special lady. And in her spare time, as if that wasn't enough, by the way, you know, running a running an airline company and, and 
she did well for she did you know she did she did well for herself. But if that wasn't enough, she was a degenerate gambler, folks. Yes, I kind of just teased it. She um, and, and I never got it. I, mean, I just grew up with it. I grew up living in this house, and again, back to the Pacific Heights, the geography, my old apartment, living by the hill that I was on, and there were three Tom families. Two of them which lived on the hill, uh, my mom and my, my father. So they both have the same last name. I didn't finish that thought earlier, guys. I'm not related. It's not one of those things. Trust me. They, they, they checked. They double-checked. Uh, but ironically enough, two or three Tom families on the island end up having a, a marriage, and I was, I was the, the, the lone kid from, uh, from that. Um, so, so, yeah, anyways, uh, my, my grandmother, she, uh, I grew up, and so I grew, I grew up in, this, the, the, in, in, in her house, and grandmother that's still alive she was in the lower house the other one is lives, lives higher up on the hill and uh in her her room and she had a room where she just had t- tvs playing sports she had the the the, the uh, what do you call those crane not not just the cord phones right because not even cordless cord phones i'm going back even farther those crank phones like like old school phones she had her calculator uh, like a type, like a punching, like a cashier calculator, because you, you do it manually. Her notepad, and she just had her glasses out, and she was just focused. And then calls would come in, and she would kind of talk stories, slash take a bet, and she'd mark it down in her books. And I would just sit there, and I didn't understand obviously the bookends of that. That was a little too advanced for a young Dan Tom. But the love for sports, uh, you know, uh, even just betting as far as you know, I have this team, this team, you know, starting to learn thing, learning, learning terms. Uh, money line and just things like that, dog, underdog, and she, you know, I, I didn't really understand it, but I just you hear these things, right? And it's just it's so funny, and, and as I think about it now, and uh, and uh, she would have our cousin, uh, me and my uh, me and my cousins, we would set up her card. She would also have a card card game. Allegedly, guys, this is past statute of limitations, but uh, card games. Uh, Oh, she would have. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is past statute of limitations. There's one part where I kind of have to use the allegedly, though, in a second. Um, she would have these card games, like illegal card games, um, which I can say now. And uh, we would stack these big wooden tables, like these connector tables that extend. And me and my cousins, as little kids, were like putting together the tables while she's, uh, you know, getting ready for the guests and cooking. And we're like putting the tablecloths on. We're, we're loading the uh, we're loading the card deck dealers. We're we're making sure there's fresh decks out. <laughs> it's great. It, we had the whole thing. The, the, the chips uh, chip set were set at the head of the table, um, and it was it was it was it was great. And uh, she would have not just anybody like family and friends like like allegedly sitting members of office in Hawaii at that time in the late '80s and early '90s uh, were at these things, uh, and, and as well as on her proverbial book, we'll just say. Um, yeah, I mean, no, she wasn't messing around, and I asked, and 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 so it was kind of ironic that you know I've, I've shared with you guys here that that again, my my love dates back to the early '90s. I I became a Scottie Pippen fan because watching game a game with my grandma, as we say Chinese slash in Hawaii, Popo, my Popo Doris, or it's Chinese I should say, uh, my Popo Doris, and just watching games with her, and uh, and and yeah, I followed that when my family moved in the early '90s to the Ninth Island. Uh, which is, you know, numbering islands is, is very popular, uh, moved there. And, uh, and, and yeah, I was just, you know, that's when I was waiting for the newspapers, tracking articles and da-da-da and stats. Yeah, you guys are familiar with that story. I don't want to save time here. But that all comes from my, from my grandmother. 
And I asked her, I'm like, what, what got you into sports? You know, what was that? And, and she said, you know, when she was 14 years old, so she was, you know, this is probably like the 1940s, late 40s, uh, or 1940s just in general, uh, she would listen to baseball. Uh, the Boston Red Sox was her first favorite team. She's mainly into football these days. Um, she was just she just was gloating about some bets she just cashed earlier, uh, but she uh, she was in a baseball. She's like I love the Boston Red Sox because of the Italian names. She loved the announcers saying the uh, the Italian names on the thing, and I just thought it was so crazy. Just you wouldn't think a, a woman of that era, an Asian woman no less, being in sports, being successful at business cards gambling and still doing it to the point where i was about to sit down on this podcast and she goes all right uh hope you're okay danny i'm fine i'm fine Papa. you're good and she goes all right i'm gonna go study my betting lines you study yours <laughs> i'm sorry i know we're 36 minutes in guys but that was fucking worth it i had to give some context to me hawaii what this means to the, the history but from the event mixed martial arts to my own a little bit of personal history uh, here guys i did tease it on the last one Again, I gave you guys warnings to skip ahead, so uh, that was it. But, yeah, um, and real quick, the tweet got a lot of traction. We went to a, 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 the last thing on family. We'll go to the breakdown. Um, this restaurant called The Pig and the Lady. Shouts to The Pig and the Lady. Amazing kind of hipster restaurant. They're doing the Chinatown here. Uh, what they're kind of doing, like in, in Bushwick or Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or a lot of area, poor areas in the United States, they gentrify it, hipster, so to speak. Did the same thing, but I dig it. I'm from Brooklyn, so I was all digging in my family, so-so. My, my crazy Uncle Bob, who you saw the tweets about yesterday, other things I couldn't tweet about that he says. But yeah, he's just, he, he's a fucking character. Um, but yeah, they, they were so-so on it, but it was it was really good, and they had the best bathroom in the world. Uh, the tweet I just alluded to, a Big Trouble in Little China. They had the whole bathroom decked out in Big Trouble in Little China. It's one of my favorite movies I just grew up on. Uh, you know, it's got every, it's like, it was like, you know, it, it was like Hollywood got every Asian actor available. Because there's not that many of us, let's be honest. They're, they're, they're still not now, and there's certainly a shit not then. I mean, it was the 80s. We just got invented in the 80s, right? The, oh, sexy girlfriend. Like, that was, that was, that was, our, that was Asian's introduction. Like, we, we got shit, like, before that, they were having, like, Mickey Rooney put slant eyes, right? And even now, I mean, let's be honest, they're still having, what, what's, her, what's her fuck? Scarlett Johansson play, you know, Asian Americans every other year now. But that's another story for another day. Or roles that are supposed to be for Hawaiians. I don't know who that was. Maybe I'm scared. Anyways, that's another thing. But yeah, um, but yeah, was, I, I love that movie. And apparently, just you know, just seeing reactions from everybody else and people quoting it. Oh my god, it was getting me so stoked. And I know I talk about Die Hard, and everybody talks about Die Hard. Everybody loves Die Hard. But uh, I think maybe this holiday season, guys, I'm gonna live tweet Big Trouble in Little China. So if you second that, let me know and go check out. Uh, that tweet is probably no longer on my story, but I do have it on a video, and I'll probably uh, I'll probably actually repost it uh, in reference to this podcast, uh, especially if you guys uh, let me know on that. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, also, just words uh, gambling. Yeah, that's good. I uh, just want to give a shout out to Casey and Esther uh, of uh, MMA Fighting. Obviously, you guys know or should know who they are. Familiar with their work. Um, I, you know, for for one reason or another, just just never uh, got around to meeting them, and uh, got to this time. Obviously, not a lot of media turnout. Not in a bad way. I mean, it, it it it's it's just I mean, it's 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 expensive to come out here, right? So for sure, it's not not the most turnout. But uh, 
It was cool to see that they elected to go to this show. Unfortunately, that my man Jose Youngs got stuck in Milwaukee, but shouts to Jose Youngs. He's killing it. He, he's a savage. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, it, it was cool. It was, it was cool to meet them in person. And I, I tweeted earlier, the low key, low key, uh, highlight was, uh, nerding out, nerding out over Convergia with them. Just, uh, you know, you're in a, like obscure or what I would think of some obscure bands and stuff. It's always cool when you, you know, come across people like, Oh, you dig that too? Oh yeah. Oh, you know the show? You listen to that? And just, that stuff's always fun. So. Anyways, all right, 40 minutes, Bellator, we're going to go through the, the breakdowns pretty fast again because uh, there's not too much to cover. I actually just, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, there's not too much to cover on these ones. Um, Bellator 212, uh, we got uh, Chan- yeah, headlined by Chandler and Primus, of course. Um, I just want to say, uh, boy, I know I'm missing somebody, but uh, Taiwan Claxon's on the undercard, he's not listed. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked to see what uh, he can do. Uh, my former, uh, not my former, my coach Neil Melanson is uh, was, was really high on him and uh, like really stoked on him, like the way he was talking about him. And he doesn't do that for much guys, believe it or not. Um, he's not really that kind of guy uh, or that kind of coach. But like as far as like that kind of stuff goes, he's uh, not a politician, man. But but so when he gives a compliment, it's legit, and uh, he is super high on this kid. And for as inexperienced as he is on paper, that, that says a lot to me. So I'm really stoked to see what Tywin Claxton does. Um, Cecilia Campos, dude, it was funny, man. I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Uh, John John Morgan didn't recognize Derek Campos either because he came in with a beard, tanned, and I totally spaced that, yeah, this is his first cut to 145. He usually fights at 155. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, so he, I didn't even recognize him. Like, he didn't look bad, but, man, he just looked like a like, – you know, like, you know, like those more old school days where like everybody was doing twenty pound cuts like it was normal and IV bagging, IV bagging it like a motherfucker afterwards. Like, and we've kind of felt like we've somewhat moved away from that, all with exceptions, uh, or a decent amount of exceptions. But yeah, uh, no, he he just, I mean, not that he's so, I didn't see him with an IV bag or anything, folks. All right, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like he just looked like it was like it didn't look like a bad cut or anything. He didn't look bad by any means. He looked uh, good even at the. Ceremonial weigh-ins, which they turned those around like within an hour, so it's not like they had a lot of time to rehydrate. So he, he seemed in good sorts, um, but just seeing how he is normally, and even just within that hour and a half, like I felt like he was already a big difference. Like I was like, God, man, how much weight did that guy have to cut? So that'll be interesting to talk to him, regardless of the result. Is um, on that. He's got Sam Cecilia. Cecilia looks like he's training still out of uh, out of Portland out there, uh, sick jitsu. Oh man, uh, silly, you know, artiste uh, always comes out to swing. But uh, I got compost here. I don't, I don't know about that number, that big number. By the way, guys, I am not betting the fights that I'm covering, but I will, um, I will of course uh, frame things in the way you, you probably are interested to if you were the of the degenerate type for 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 what to for what to uh, maybe look out for. So. So don't worry, but yeah, I, I just just want to state that off the top, folks. I'm not I'm not not betting these these fights that I'm covering here this weekend. All right, um, McKee Crawford. That's another. Uh, I, I might as well pull up the lines here, guys. Won't won't that be helpful? McKee Crawford really don't really need to. It's like some minus fourteen hundred line or whatever. I'm actually not familiar with Crawford. I want to say he's an English dude. Um, I think that's what Gareth A. Davies says at least. Something about that. I don't know. Um. 
But yeah, it's it's, it's ridiculous odds. I got McKee. Just yeah, like it's kind of was saying earlier. I'll steal the line, the throwaway line that I said earlier. I, 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 I want to see his growth, man. This, this guy keeps impressing me each time out. Um, I want to say sorry. There's a lot of fights in my head. I want to say he's like because I think I compared him to Darian Caldwell. Was you know, that southpaw uh, stance, and he's just so goddamn sharp, man. This kid. Um, sorry, I just gotta scroll down for these Bellator lines. And I went too far, and I left dead air. And I went too far, and I left dead air. Uh, yeah, I'll go more into the next fight, but I still want those lines, which will be Lara Velasquez. Oh, my God, it's funny. Oh, let me tell you. Oh, let me tell you. Listen, guys. I got kryptonite. And uh, and it, it's for Colombia. It's for Colombians. It's not a joke. I dated a, I dated a half-Cuban, half-Colombian girl, and oh, my God. Oh, all right. Anyways, enough of that. But, you know, what is funny, though, I will say this. Uh, try to keep it classy here, guys. I'm here to cover these people. They're not objects. Uh, but a pretty a beautiful girl is a beautiful girl. That's no secret here. Let's be honest, guys. I, 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 let's keep it classy, but let's be honest, too. Uh, but what, what is funny, though, uh, now that I've outed myself, let me out my fucking friends here. Uh, like Brian and Bronson. And it's funny. Uh, no, it's funny. Uh, like, you know, I posted all these, like, stories for... Uh, I'm posting all these, you know, stories, like, I'm light, lighting up my, my Instagram stories of all this fight coverage, uh, face-off stuff, food, grandma, random shit. And a lot of people, like, are messaging and giving me uh, nice messages. Thank you all for that. But it's funny. Most of, like, my guy friends aren't saying shit, like, the whole week. Fucking, I post one picture of Alejandra Lara weighing in, and it's, oh, my, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat the stuff that was tech, that was uh, that was messaged to me, but yeah, uh, I'm sure she clicks well. Uh, let's let's keep it that. She's she very marketable and clicks very marketable, clicks well. Hey, can we make that a thing, guys? If a girl's attract, very marketable, clicks well. Very, Alejandra Mar, uh, uh, Lara, very marketable, clicks well. You know, uh, and, and when researching this fight, because I actually went and tried to a little bit, uh, obviously, uh, for the <laughs> I'm covering the event. Uh, but I, I did it even beforehand, just for just 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 for picks, obviously, and analysis. I do it anyways. But yeah, um, Velasquez, man, she. Uh, I was like, oh, she's attractive too. But man, she cuts a ton of weight. I didn't even recognize her. She didn't look at the girl on the Instagram photos. She's again, she didn't, like again like Derek Campos. She didn't look compromised at the uh, act, uh, official weigh-in or ceremonial. But my goodness, was um, you know, my goodness was a. Uh, and she cut a lot of weight, man. You could just tell. She was down uh, a lot. And the body type, uh, uh, you can interpret this in more ways than one, and I mean it in more ways than one, but she looks like she was on that polio. She has the Pollyanna Botelio frame and possibly on the Pollyanna Botelio diet. Um, but, yeah, uh, either way, that's why I picked her. She's, she's, she just seems really athletic. I believe she has a judo base, and you can see girls have a tough time taking her down, and when she hits, she hits hard. You know, she's got that... Uh, what I like about the girls from Nova and Yao is they have that really conservative style. They're not throwing themselves out of position. They're very well, uh, well trained. Now, how they execute, how they match up, and how they win fights, obviously that's a whole different story in the jungle of MMA. But generally speaking, uh, you know, uh, you know, for the most parts. And, and that said, actually, what am I saying? What's her face? Pauline Botelio threw herself out of position or something. I think last fight, and then just got got submitted. Sorry, my my 
my my my memory is foggy, and that wasn't a fight. Obviously, I was supposed to study, but neither here nor there. Uh, I took Velasquez. We'll see, but it's hard not to root for Lara. Uh, and uh, yeah, Lara had a. Uh, she's been training with Team Lobos for this fight, I should say. Um, so she had Alexa Grasso's father out here. More importantly, she had Alexa Grasso out here with her and uh, Arina Aldana. And uh, Oprah Gonzalez was out here. Oh, it was a Latina invasion, bro. The island fever, uh, Latina fever versus island, uh, invading island fever, man. It was, uh, I'm not complaining. Dan Tom is a soft spot for the Latin, of the Latin persuasion. I'll just say that. A beautiful woman's a beautiful woman, by the way, but I'll just say that. Um, all right, Dan. This is a, this is an analysis podcast. Let's keep it. Let's keep it above board here. All right. Uh, next fight. Uh, Mir versus Ayala. I was kind of surprised to see Mir as the underdog, but I would have said caution either way because it's heavyweight MMA, and you know Mir. I believe offhand, I think he's been knocked out like nine times. Uh, God bless him. Um, but is it? If it is, you better get ready to cue that fair nine times. Ferris Bueller nine times. Frank Mir's been knocked out nine times. I hope somebody gets that gif and tweets that to me, by the way. Nine times he's been uh, knocked out, guys. Um, so Javier Ayala knocked out Sergey Karatanov. Now, skill for skill-wise, it's nowhere near. And Javier Ayala looks like he's doing nothing really uh, to, to, to change that uh, too much. I mean, it looks like he's just training at the normal home gym. Not literal home gym, but, you know. Yeah, you go look at his water truck uh yeah i mean i don't really see too many uh high level guys coaches not recognizable gym kind of thing i'm not hating on that by any means um it's what it is you know and i i respect that i respect javi ayala he's the very seems like a very charming uh guy but uh you know he, he looks up to frank Mir a bit too uh i didn't see the interviewer article but referencing him as his idol and he kind of had that happy to be here look in his face a bit today and uh so yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Frank Mir's the dog, but uh, I, can't, I can't say I recommend you guys taking a hard side either way on that fight. All right, right. All right. Uh, Chandler versus Primus. All right. Um, wow, minus five hundred and then plus four hundred. Yeah, as you know, yeah, Brent Primus won the last fight, and he did land the kick. It wasn't like to the calf. It wasn't necessarily to like the back. Of, at least the one that like. Chandler reacts to. It looked like it was right to the thigh, but hey, far be it from me. I don't know how fucking nerves work, and neither do you folks, so it, it hit that nerve, and uh, Chandler was walking fine the next day. He went to do aerial show in New York, and uh, that kind of made more sense, and that made it more questionable at the time, but then kind of went and made more sense um, thanks to uh, the Henry Cejudo-Demetrius Johnson 2 fight, where Cejudo suffered a very similar thing, but was able to... He was allowed the time to work through it, which... Sucks for not just Chandler, but sucks for Primus too, uh, because he could have taken the way went away from Primus, uh, who could have been building him his way there easily, right? Uh, if he would have turned the pressure on, although he was on his back foot, which was the interesting part, it was a uh, really breaking this fight, uh, going deep with this fight with uh, John, uh, Big John, uh, at the weigh-ins today between weigh-ins, and uh, my God, that guy, I have so much respect for that guy, man. He is like the dude. I was talking to John Morgan about that, man. He is the dude. Like he's like the encyclopedia. Uh, referential, whether you you know whether you like him or not, I don't see why why you dislike him. I know he had the rough demeanor because when he was big, when he when he was big John back in the day, but you know I think I think the fourth wall in a good way has been broken now, or we kind of you know 
Now, hey, oh, Big John, Big John's a dude. He's, he's a human being. He's a, you know, uh, again, you, you don't have to uh, uh, love him, but I love him. I love Big John. And, uh, but man, he, he really just really peeled the onion back on this fight and w w with, with me. And it was really, it was a really awesome conversation. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, it was interesting, you know, Brent Primus was, Primus was on, on his, on, was on, you know, on his back foot and, and, uh, it's tough. I don't so I don't discredit him like like Chan like Chandler, and I like Chandler obviously. Uh, I have a, a bias toward him here, folks. Which I'll explain in a second for those who don't know. But it, it, Primus did land the kick. But what I will say is that I take no credit for take no credit away from Primus for landing that, that kick. But what I will say is though that um, I, I I do wonder about his you know wanting to fight you know like uh, not in a questioning. He's a man. He's a fighter. He's a nice guy. I don't have a bad thing to say about Brett Primus, and I hope if anything in the, the breakdowns, I was, if, even though I didn't pick him, uh, I hope I was still giving him fair credit. And he can still not, not like me for picking. I'm not saying he does or anything like that. He didn't. Uh, he didn't Bobby Green, Green me or anything like that. But uh, which we'll get to, I guess, later too, right? But uh, but but yeah, uh, I'm just saying. Like I did, the fighters always reserve that right, and I respect that. I honestly do. I don't. I don't care. It's cool. Um, these guys are, are 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 laying it out there, man. I, they don't need to. They don't need to worry about the opinions of uh, people like me. That's for sure. Um, but but yeah, my my opinion for those of you that actually you know do want it for whatever reason that I do question, yeah, I, I do I do wonder about that. You know, you know the inactivity. I know the kid. I get all these things, and I know Chandler had his own rigmarole with the uh, contract uh, contract teasing. But um, but yeah, man. Uh, and I was just talking with Big John. There's this like, psychology. Uh, I coach Neil would tell me that he he encounters with most fighters that he would coach at the high level, right? Highest level, UFC level. Is that there are some guys where you could just throw them into the fucking shit and they'll fucking smile, even if they're coming on the wrong end of it, right? And that's most fighters at heart. Um, you know, that's why you got to protect them from themselves. There's some fighters, though, that even though they're talented badasses and maybe even former world champions, they need everything. Everything to be perfect. Uh, you know, Vitor was like that. They need everything to be perfect in camp. All the practice sessions must be perfect. You know, uh, you know, Neil couldn't go too hard with Vitor certain things. Not because he couldn't take, take it physically, but mentally, what it could do to the confidence. And so people that would, like me, had the hypothesis that it wasn't the steroids, the physical advantages that even really, as crazy as that sounds with how Vitor looked, I would still argue that it was the mental advantage because Vitor it mentally made him stronger. He said, oh, I have this. I can." He always had the skill, man. You don't, steroid, you know, steroids don't teach you how to throw the spin side kick, or the spinning wheel kick. He always has the skills. He always has the athleticism. Um, and yes, it was helped, the athleticism part, sure, but... Uh, I would still argue that with Vitor specifically, it's more of a mental thing, and that comes back to more the hammer and the nail, and that can translate to that too. You can maybe reroute that to guys that are a good hammers probably need a lot more uh, specific preparation in their camp. So I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm just kind of pontific. I'm using this as an example as a jumping off point. I'm not. I'm not trying to project this overly at all on Brent Primus. This could not even be the case at all. It's just a point of note for speculation that I wanted to expand upon. Uh, the pick is Michael Chandler. All right.
Bellator, 55 minutes in. Not too bad because, again, I'm not going to go too deep here with these breakdowns, guys. Bellator, 2-13, Saturday night. And then we'll go to UFC Milwaukee. Deal? Deal. Um, let's see. I am missing stuff on this. On the I want to start out with, with, with uh, Kona Oliveira versus uh, Nainoa Dung. At first, I wasn't familiar with these guys. I think I heard of Dung, and sure enough, Dung is really, you know, popular on the island uh, here in, in, in Hawaii. So he's very, he, he, he's, uh, he's, he has a surprising following, uh, you know, here, here in the island. I think he had like 30K followers on his Instagram. And yeah, the guy, the kid's been kickboxing, comes up in a martial arts family, martial arts culture. He's been kickboxing since six years old. And, uh, and, and, and it's insane. Whereas uh, Kona Oliveira, who I don't know how, if he's a pro surfer or how pro that is, but yeah, looks like he'd be a professional surfer, moved up to San Diego, um, kind of like uh, Elima Lee McFarlane, uh, transplant, you know, Hawaiian transplant out in San Diego. Uh, nothing wrong with that, by the way, but it comes into play here for this fight. Um, and uh, training at Black House, it was a kickboxer, got, had kickboxing experience. I don't know how much, I believe just amateur before then, but still, um, looks to be a real athletic kid, training with high-level people, and commensurate experience uh, on paper as far as mixed martial arts goes. Uh, and they both come from a kickboxing base, for what's worth. So it's actually a very well-matched matchup for guys that are really just babies in their career. But the built-in thing, the Hawaiian, you know, like the Amanda Nunes, uh, Chris Cyborg, the Brazilians, you know, they have the th thing, who's more Brazilian? You're not real Brazilian. You move to the United States. There's a lot of that, those kind of things. And you just heard the corners getting into it. They have a face-off, and uh, Dung does like a cocking of a shotgun, and it gets real tense on the way. And the corners start going nuts. And uh, Alimale alluded to it, too, because about the Hawaii versus Hawaii fighting. And those of you who watch the old-school Rumble in the Rock days, where it was like, the, you know, it'll be Gracie versus uh, Hadrigo Gracie versus BJ Penn. You get a Gracie versus fucking Penn in the uh, in, in the cage, and then there's a fight uh, in the crowd, and the camera fucking goes off to the crowd to see what the fight is like. That like, I know Bellator obviously isn't going to do that. They're they <laughs> obviously, but it's just in reference to the Hawaiian thing, like and, and the fighting and how prominent that is. And these guys are having to get into it. Like Henzo Gracie was having to calm one of the dudes down. Like, oh, he's not the real Hawaiian. Oh, Hawaiian spirit, he's gonna get caught. He's gonna get caught sleeping, and it was crazy. Um, so that actually got me real pumped. But yeah, there's like even I even heard uh, heard uh, you know uh, management talking to Scott Coker and like yeah, we probably get security on those corners. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> Have a little exchange. So there, so Bellator will be on it, uh, thankfully, because that could get ugly. But yeah, th those are the kind of things when you hear Lee McFarlane reference that, um, you know, th th that that could happen. <sighs> These things happen in MMA. I'm gonna save myself editing, and I'm gonna go ahead and push through it because um, my my uh, my bladder's holding. My grandma came out here and uh, helped uh, brought out some like. <laughs> I don't know what it is, like some chocolates. Like she's trying to freaking fatten me up, dude. Like I came back to do my podcast after the road show, and then she's like, "Oh, are you hungry?" I'm like, "No, I'm fine. I'm fine, Bobo. I'm uh, I'm gonna record my podcast. I'm gonna eat after." <laughs> she's like, "All right, I'm gonna cook you some food." I'm like, <laughs> "You can't say no again." I don't, man. I don't know how uh, how much longer, you know, uh, I I can get get food cooked by her like that, man. So I couldn't turn that down. Uh, the wind's picking up. I'm gonna actually. One second. I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause and close this. Just, just one second here. All right, and we're back. Sorry about that. 
just had to close the window. The wind was really picking up. I don't know how much of that was getting on the microphone. But anyways, we're going to go on to McGeary and Lawal, which actually coincides with the story of uh, Oliveira and, and Dung. The corners are going at it so much that by the time the next face-off was happening, which was McGeary and Lawal, uh, King Mo is like, you can go to Junkie to see the video there. King Mo is like, hey, can y'all can keep it down? Some people are trying to face off here. You guys should watch us fight. Watch us fight for a second. Come on now. Like, it was funny. He was, like, he was, he was checking him and, like, oh, it was great. King Mo, like, it was funny. He was, like, so nonchalant, like, almost, like, like ah, not, I don't want to say, like, overcharacterized. Like, I'm over this. Whatever. But he ended up giving, for that kind of that vibe, he actually ended up giving all the best moments to the presser. Uh, I fucking actually just, 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 uh, I didn't. I don't know how much it came across, but I actually kind of just paused because uh, I couldn't see where Mo was from my vantage point. I asked him a question about, you know, because he's t- talking about going to middleweight, and I'm like, oh, so will, will the, the, this fight with McGeary win or lose? Will you go? Will it determine what weight class you go next? And he goes, I'm going heavyweight. To fuck up Matt Mitrione. I was like, what the fuck did that come from? And like out of nowhere. So I'll be honest. I was honestly taken by surprise, and I was like, I wanted to ask him to follow up. That was my. It wasn't like I was like forgot to ask to follow up but i was like oh shit like should i follow up i kind of i'll be honest man i kind of like just for a second and i i i, I lost visual because he was right behind the podium and i thought he was going to say more because i heard like a ruffling of the microphone and i thought he was going to follow up on itself and he actually did say like one or two things but then he he stopped and kind of left it dead and then thankfully man john, dude john came to my rescue and was like well, uh, tell us more. And thankfully, Mo 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 uh, elaborated more on it. So so so, yeah. John saved my ass there because yeah, I couldn't even see him. Like, is he got the mic? Is he gonna say more? Like, and uh, and yeah, it was my hey, it was my first presser. You live and you learn on these things. But uh, but uh, but yeah, it ended up uh, it ended up generating an interesting answer. So hey, there's that, right? Um, Mo is by the way, odds are. You guys have already looked at it by now. Like, yeah, Dan, we already know. We've uh, been uh, researching these cards since the beginning of the week, not a uh, fucking night before. Like, you, Jackass. Not that research, but, you know, covering it. Uh, I just had it in front of me. Da, 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 da. There it is. Minus 230. Mola Wallet. And the Amagiri is plus 190. Um, meh. Geary is a live dog. Yeah, I, I think he's a live dog here, but I'm, I'm, I'm picking King Mo to win. But McGeary's a live dog, man. I mean, um, you know, it's a, it, I couldn't help but I can't remember the gentleman's name. It wasn't, you know, his best opponent, uh, sure, but it's in Bellator. And he hits this guy with a left hook. And it wasn't the same left hook. It was a check left hook, whereas Bader's was a, a, pawn, a fake jab and stepping into the left hook. But uh, nonetheless, you know, the seeing those left hook KOs and wondering the state of Mo, because that, that, that for me is the worry. You know, Mo's health. He's like traditionally known for like being unhealthy, having health problems. You know, um, I don't know how well his hip is and other things. He's had knee problems. Being a wrestler, you know, has his back. You know, we don't really see him. Uh, well, we actually have. We have seen him wrestle in, in recent fights. He's needed when he's needed to, but we didn't get to see it last fight. So I want, but I want to see that. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I want to see that wrestling if it's still intact, because uh, I, I actually would feel uh, trust him more on the ground with McGeary than, than standing at this point. Uh, I feel like if you can get around McGeary's certain tricks that he likes, that you can get him figured out. And he's training with really good grapplers at American Top Team. He's an underrated grappler himself. So. Um, 
Uh, I'll take I'll take Mo there, but uh, I don't know how confident I am. I don't know how confident you want to be in like making that a parlay piece or not. If you are, then good on you. Again, my my don't take me too seriously to, to tonight, folks. I my my, my research has been uh, limited with with this week, obviously. All right, um, Neiman Gracie plus three ten, Ed Ruth minus three seventy is the next fight. Another interesting one, man. Ed Ruth, small, smaller than I realized in person. Gracie, bigger than I realized in person for what that's worth. Uh, that being said, I got Ed Ruth here, man. I'm impressed. Like, like I'm drinking the sauce. Uh, I know I kind of fibbed in my breakdown. I kind of juggled, not fib, but I, kinda, I juggled between Southpaw and Orthodox. And I don't know if it came across as stammering. I, don't, I haven't seen that breakdown get released. I recorded like six last week, folks. I recorded a lot of my breakdowns bef- uh, in the week the, the week before. So I was ahead on these for what that's worth, um, and that'll come into play in my explanations later for some of the things. But yeah, it was, um, it, 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 I, you know, I couldn't find footage on Ed Ruth's last fight, but I could have swore I saw him working from the Southpaw stance a bit. And then when I went to his Instagram, like m- dating from months back, like all his bag work, pad work, all these things, like he's switching and shifting, but like it's 70% Southpaw. And then you look at who he's training with, like the Dom Cruises and, and Alliance MMA, and like you know, uh, the shifting and Swiss stancery uh, that they that, that they employ there for you know training wrestlers and you know uh, strikers and so to speak. Like yeah, okay, I could see him picking up certain habits. So sure. Um, but the point of that is, is I think he's going to want to make legs difficult to target. You know, uh, uh, like Big John was. Uh, we, were, we were talking today. You know, uh, that John Donaher. You know. Uh, Hey, we talk hey, Neiman Gracie and Gracie Jiu Jitsu, but he, he trains with John Donaher, and they're, they're very leg lock savvy. And wrestlers leave their legs to be taken. Um, and when you can't take guys down, or guys are holding you you down, sometimes going for a leg lock is the best ways to create advantageous scrambles. Whether you want to get up or get them down, um, and we're seeing guys trend more to that. So that will be something to watch out for. That said. Uh, I don't see Neiman Gracie advancing enough in the striking as much as Ed Ruth. So I see Ed Ruth using the hassling to keep it standing, as the old adage says. Um, and uh, and I got uh, I got Ed Ruth here. All right. Uh, next up, Rafael Carvalho, minus 125. Lyoto Machida, plus 105. Kind of surprised to see that. Maybe because Carvalho coming off a loss, not a big name. Machida, big name, coming off a knockout. Granted, it was against an older guy, but, you know, Machida looked healthy then he looks really healthy now and i'm not saying that in a double on you know entendre type of way it's um he looks great really great man he looks super healthy looked awesome at the beach workouts with his whole crew they really added to the whole bellator experience he seems really excited reinvigorated and not just looking like a young guy and it was funny, man. A lot of between Chandler and Machida, they got the most ladies to stop. By the way, like you would just see, like you would see, you know, like those, like you know, or, you know, four, like you know, kind of forty-year-old, like cougar-like ladies. Maybe they're even there with their family. I don't know, but they're probably walking from one part of the Hawaiian village to the other with an actual task in mind. And you see them do the double take, and they're like, oh, and this muscly guy is all Greek, you know, not greased up, but like kind of glistening in the sun and throwing punches. And they just stop and watch for a second. You just see their see their minds start start wandering off, wondering. Dan, back on track. I was just saying, uh, little tidbits. This is where Dan. This is the Dan Tom noticed during the workout. Yeah, Machida and then Chandler got scoreboard. By the way, that day in that regard, in that regard. Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, 
But yeah, a little, little surprised to see that Machida mixed record against Southpaws, three and three against career Southpaws, dating all the way back to his knockout over Rich Franklin when he folded Franklin back in the day. I think that was like 2003. That was like 15 years ago or some shit. Jesus Christ. You know, he's 40 years old now. He turned 40 this year, Machida. But again, he looks looks great. Looks like he moves well. Um, I'm going to take him here uh, as a pick. Again, you play at your own discretion, y'all. Um, uh, he, he, you know, I took him as my pick here, but uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a... I have a feeling it might be somewhat of a... Not a lackluster affair. I think it's going to be intense, but I think he's going to try to, you know, make it a lackluster affair. Use that old veteran savvy and kind of edge out rounds. Uh, you know, getting his bearings, new organization, important win. Carvalho coming off a TKO loss. Granted, it was on the ground, and Machida doesn't uh, have as strong of a ground presence as Musasi, obviously. But nevertheless, Machida's still the more experienced and better ground fighter on paper, off paper, in the cage. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Machida there. But Carvalho, man, you know, I'm, you know, I like that. Uh, real high on Evolu Kautai, Andre Dida's camp, and... Uh, yeah, man. Um, Carvalho looked pretty dialed in and focused. He, he, he's like the one, I don't know if it's the language barrier or just his demeanor, but he's the one dude that did not seem to be taken by the, the one man or woman, to be honest, that did not seem to be taken by the happy to be here. There's a lot of happy to be here, which kind of in, not worries me, but interests me uh, is probably the better word on how, how that'll impact the fights. Uh, all right, uh, that's the co-main event. Main event, of course, uh, Alima Leigh McFarlane defending her flyweight title. She's minus 175 favorite. Valerie Letourneau, the challenger, plus 155 underdog. I feel like this should be turned around the other way. I feel like Alima Leigh McFarlane should be the plus 155 dog or maybe a little tighter, and, and Letourneau should be the favorite. She's more experienced. We know what we're going to get with her. Um, and she's, she's really underrated uh, in the clinch where Alima Leigh likes to get her takedowns. Like She's shown that she can get, like, taken down by level changes out far and Alimale uh I'm sure has serviceable ones though but Alimale mainly gets her takedowns from the clinch whether she's using trips uh in, inside or outside trips or her kind of uh, lateral drop variations um I, I I I don't know how well those will work on uh Laterno Laterno's really good about getting and using an overhook. I know we hear a lot about underhooks, but she's actually good about using overhooks in the clinch. Like, she nullified... Granted, Yoni and Jacek wasn't trying to take her down. She was trying to throw elbows. But she nullified key inside hand fighting and arm... and essentially arm positions uh, that you need in the clinch. She's really good at nullifying those quietly. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if she's going to be able to get her down repeatedly. I think she will be able to get her down. I'm I just not sure she will be able to finish her. Valerie Turner's net, not only never been submitted, but just underrated there. She, she's been grappling since the beginning of her career. It only says purple belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but like most fighters, they don't just keep training in the gi often a lot of times. You see, that's why you see most of them stop at purple belt. Or if they get to brown belt or above, it's usually because there's some type of submission specialist or submission heavy wins in their record, right? It's kind of how it works out. Um, but I do see Lima Lee McFarlane, you know, like Letourneau talked about her composure. And, and, you know, I love that neither girl underestimate each other and they know the quiet strength. Quiet strength actually is grappling for Letourneau. The quiet strength, you would also you could also argue for Lima Lee McFarlane is her composure. And that composure allows her to not only improve uh, from fight to fight, but more importantly, obviously, um, apply those skills and apply her game plan and her corner's advice, which she takes very well inside the cage. And I think she's going to make this a dog fight and make it ugly in the hometown and not get a hometown decision, but feel by the, a decision fueled by the hometown crowd. 
uh, let's just say. So that's my pick for this fight. Um, I don't want to pause, but uh, so I'm just going to get up and open the window. And uh, as I go over to the next fight, let's see. Let's see where we're at, just for, just for time stamp reasons. It was uh, 55, I think, uh, for the first one. Uh, when we started that, and now it's, uh, I don't know, I'll find it later. We'll go 112. Hour and 12 minutes. Okay, I'm going to open this door, folks. Fresh air. There we go. These earbuds back in. Alright, guys. We're getting over. Where is it at? Alright, we're going to start from the uh, prelims and move our way up from bottom to top as per usual. Alright, in Milwaukee. Uh, Juan Adams minus 440. Chris De La Hocha plus 350. Um, yeah, I mean, Juan Adams coming off Dana White Tuesday in a contender series. Uh, big troll-looking dude. He's a beast. It looks like my buddy, uh, one, of my, one of my best friends, Jay Mills, actually. And it sounds like him, too, listening to, uh, to, to interviews. Uh, Shout-out to James Lynch. was not able to listen to all, but, but, but some of these from these fi upcoming fighters here, he's out there covering that event. Uh, as usual, shouts to him for, for, for the, the work that that guy does because I, I definitely uh, use a lot for my analysis. Um... But yeah, I got I got one. I'm sure it's kind of clear what they're bringing in Chris Delahocha, and uh, Delahocha will bang for better or worse. He's gotten the better of it one of two times, but not a lot to aspire confidence. Hence, reflected in the betting lines against a guy who's only, really only had four fights, but um, at least so far seems to be doing the right things to get performances in the cage. So I'll go with him. Next fight: Zach Cummings minus three twenty, Trevor Smith plus two sixty is the underdog. Uh, I'm taking Zach Cummings here. Um, I think that this could be potentially, like all Trevor Smith's fight, they could go in a weird area because he just makes things so ugly in the clinch and can do so for, 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 for three rounds, even though he looks like he's going to gas, but usually generally doesn't. Uh, and Zach Cummings generally doesn't, is not the type to generally gas hard or anything like that, but, you know, in this type of, if he allows that type of fight too much, it would be curious. That be, That being said, I like, you know, Zach Cummings, he's training Factory X Muay Thai coming into this one, Southpaw, um, and uh, I think he's just going to have his arsenal really opened up for this fight. Uh, I think he could sting Trevor Smith um, and, and possibly, you know, force a shot, or if Trevor Smith starts to kind of tire and get, because he really, Trevor Smith really gets his head down there, and it'll get him caught with uppercuts and stuff like that because he's so willing to put his head down. But I could also see him getting snapped down or being guided into a guillotine. You know, Zach Cummings has got a really underrated guillotine. Um, you could argue that he's the better submission grappler. Uh, wrestler is up for debate. But you could definitely argue that Zach Cummings is the better submission grappler. And uh, he submitted uh, veteran uh, wrestlers before with that guillotine. And whether he stings uh, Trevor Smith or catches him on a lazy shot or being lazy with his head position. I think Zach Cummings uh, can win and, and, and possibly win by guillotine. Uh, Cummings sub plus 270. Uh, I may or may not have sprinkled on that. Again, I'm not covering this fight, so again, I'll, I'll kind of leave that door open for you to interpret there. Um, Alright, next fight, Adam Milstead, minus 150 favorite. Mike Rodriguez, plus 130 underdog. Um... I, I said that with a surprising tone, though I guess I'm not too surprised. 
Uh, Adam Milstead, I'm picking him here. And how can you not root for Adam Milstead, man? Uh, you know, I was listening to his interview with James Lynch. Uh, you know, he was saying he's going to retire if he loses this one. but uh, And he seems serious about that. But, uh, man, Milstead seems to be uh, doing the right things. Um and what what I what I suspect here is I actually think Milstead's going to grapple. You know, uh, you can't tell that he he has actually has some wrestling experience himself uh, when he's going against monsters at heavyweight like Curtis Blades. But the dude can grapple and, and wrestle a bit. And I think he's going to dust it off here smartly. So against a guy like Mark Rodriguez, who is more of a sporadic and dangerous guy, um, even though Milstead could probably stand with him, I don't think he's going to want to in his specialty there. So I think Milstead's going to grapple, and we could actually maybe even get an, an ugly three-round fight. But uh, I got Milstead here. Um, not only avoid list officially, but careful if you play that one, right? All right, Danny Gay minus 170, Jordan Griffin plus 150. Um, I got Ige here. Uh, obviously, a little, again, a lot of bias all over from Bellator to Hawaii, but some, some bias here, the Hawaiian guy from Extreme Couture. But uh, Danny, yeah, I know. You know, he he works with uh, Ali, and that alone can you know just guilt by association there. But Danny is 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 a good dude. He's a hard worker, and uh, I, I wish I wish well for the guy. Um, I do have him here. I think this is a stylistically good match for him. I, I I may or may not have played him, and I also may may or not may, may or may not have. Uh, sprinkled on that sub for plus 300 because I think he takes Jordan Griffin down. I mean, be smart too. Jordan Griffin, southpaw striker, real athletic dude. Um, you know, shows, you know, did show once, you know, get, get a guy hurt. He can put him out by sub, but when he's going to be the nail to a pressure wrestler and submission grappler like Ige, I don't know about that. And a guy that's not going to be easily deterred, you can just bomb on him like Arce was, and he's just still going to keep coming forward, uh, you know, and fight for your money, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I like Ige there, but we'll see. I'm biased, so don't take me too seriously on those ones especially. All right, uh, Jack Hermanson, minus 160. Gerald Mearsharp, plus 140. Man, you guys know I'm always high on Jack Hermanson, one of my favorite guys, especially after that Talis latest fight. I mean, that comeback is, gonna, is one of my favorite things ever. But, uh... But yeah, man, I, I had a hard time. I had a hard, I had a, I a hard time picking this. This was on my avoid, on my avoid list. And I'm actually going with Gerald Mearshart here. Um, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's a maybe it's his uh, his attitude or just just that his badass attitude uh, in, in there just really comes off like a you know a fighter's fighter. Um, and, and his skill sets are I, I love his skill sets too as well. You know. It's got the liver kick and all, all, my, all my favorite weapons from that stance. But, I mean, let's be honest, guys. He plays his Koopa Troopa when it comes to Mario Kart. And that's what really fucking matters here. So I'm picking Gerald Mearshart based on that um, uh, alone. Uh, no, no, it, it, it's a close fight, man. It's a close coin flip fight. Both guys are opportunistic. Both guys can also, you know, go out on their shield at any time in a fight. So, this one is on my avoid list, but I'm taking Mirror Shark. All right, Jared Gordon, minus 150. Joaquim Silva, plus 130. Uh, I'm taking Gordon here, but I'm nervous about it, man. I really like Gordon as a person, so I'm, I'm always going to root for that guy. I'll come clean with that. 
Uh, so bias on this pick, but uh, Joaquin Silva, man, he's just a scary looking dude. It just doesn't translate, and it especially doesn't translate when you make the fight ugly and use wrestling pressure. And Jared Gordon is a pressure fighter. Sure, he's been stopped twice. One of them was by Doctor Stoppage. The last one was Carlos Diego Fajardo, who's not only underrated, but uh, Gordon was injured going into that fight. Had a hand injury specifically. The poor guy gets his hand pinned behind his back and. Fucking wailed on. Needless to say, it did happen. You can't take away from that. So, yes, that said, I still have Jared Gordon here. Um, I would be careful in that fight. All right, Jakar close. Minus 250, comeback on Bobby Green, plus 210. I kind of alluded to this one earlier. Um, Bobby Green got upset with us at Junkie Radio because he heard our interview with Jakar close. And I guess Jakar put us all on the spot. Um, George picked Bobby. And Ghost picked... Jakar, because he always picks Jakar, uh, especially after the last time Ghost got attacked by a fighter, not attacked, but, you know, came at him for a pick was uh, Mark Diacasey. Um, so uh, he's like, yo, Jakar close, did, 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 you know, did me solid there, didn't make me look dumb uh, there, so uh, he, he kind of rolls with them now, that's his thing. And me, I think I just gave a political answer and I said, uh, you know, I, I got to look into the fight like I always do, but I will say this. Uh, I, I do believe that the odds makers will favor you. Um, and But the, here's why I think it's going to be a deceptively close fight, uh, no matter the odds. And I gave my opinions because they, they both end up in closer fights for one reason or another. That being said, I am going with Jakar Close. It has nothing to do with the Bobby Green outburst on our show. I still like Bobby Green. I still love his style, believe it or not, as much as he gets criticized for. But unfortunately, that style comes with more damage, and it's being wielded currently by a much more inconsistent fighter and that's essentially the problem with with betting or picking bobby green consistency scheduling injuries and personal turmoil man i, I feel for the guy i empathize with him i'm not trying to come at him man by any means that the struggles and adversity the loss that that guy's been through that's real man so if he comes on top i'll be happy for him here but my pick is uh Dracar close who uh, only keeps improving and you know yeah, trending upwards, so so that's my pick there. All right, Andrea Lee, minus 245. Jessica Rose Clark come back on her, plus 205. All right, this one's another this one's another biased one here, folks. Um, I'm taking Jessica Rose Clark the dog, but I will say, even if uh, you know, you're on the other side, I mean, can we really justify you know the, the spreads of these lines with these, these female fights? I say it all the time. They're almost like heavyweight fights when it comes to the swing of these things. Uh, most of them go to decision. Now you're relying on judges to decide a fight that, God forbid, there was, you know, air punching. Not that either of these ladies do that. They're both very skilled martial artists. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, to, to, to be crude and paint a picture and make a point. Uh, is only, uh, not to be crude. I'm trying not to be crude. But to make a point. Um, they can be tricky to fight. And I think this fight's going to go to decision. And I think Andrea Lee, though she is the more dangerous submission grappler, she will... Inherently, be risking position much more with her style of grappling, and Jessica Rose Clark, at her worst, was a good top position player, with uh, a strong top position player, with solid uh, with, with with solid ground strikes enough to keep her position to win the round. And she's a strong girl that all the girls in mid two tangle with her, whether they fought her or trained with her. Um, moreover, you know we saw her performance against Jessica. I not really indicative of her. We realized that there's a bunch of personal problems going on. Uh, you know, we, we had her in, in studio, uh, MMA Junkie, talking about that. Um, and I got to talk to her, too, as well as kind of some, some si sidebars because she was training with uh, 
a guy I came up with who's one of the coaches at Extreme Couture, Rich Castro, and he's amazing. He's an amazing coach. He's an amazing grappler, and he's an amazing trading partner. Uh, you know, he's strong, can be heavy, but also super flexible and bendy. Leg locks, chokes, super smart guy. Black belt into the late great Robert Fallis and was a, a brown belt uh, under Neil Melanson before Neil Melanson uh, went over to, to Alliance. Um, so and, and that was in catch wrestling. Uh, same same way I was ranked, except uh, me as purple. But we started at the same time. Rich is just a badass dude. He he just he he did the BJ Penn thing, man. He just excelled ahead of the class, kind of a thing. And he's been working her with her real close uh, and sharpening her game. And when I would talk to Jess before, even you know, just a fighter camp or two ago, she would admittedly like not be in a grappling, which worried me. And now. She's like genuinely excited about it, and and not like you know, uh, uh, in, in the wrong ways either. Like genuine, you know. Um, and so yeah, and she 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 she's tough. Uh, even if she does get hit good, she she recovers well. She doesn't get dissuaded. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll go Jessica Rose Clark, but I could see why Angela Lee's favorite guys. I'm not trying to fucking, you know, make a thing of it, but. Like say it's wrong or anything by any means. Um, my 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 pick's obviously biased here, but but yeah, um, Andrew Lee should be the favorite. I don't know by that much. Uh, so the pick is Jessica Rose Clark. All right, Dwight Grant. Wow, minus two eighty favorite for the newcomer Dwight Grant or Zach Otto plus two forty. Now I did give Dwight Grant uh, a high grade on my grading the winners for Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, but you know. I was curious. We, 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 the, 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 there's still a lot of holes to fill. And that, that being said, we, we got a good idea of Zach Otto, at least at this level, uh, what's been happening with him. It's close fights or bust. And bust usually not in the best way for him. Uh, so, uh, you know, unless it was against, uh, unfortunately, Mike Pyle, which, you know, we, we know the story there. I love Mike Pyle, one of my favorite fighters ever. But let's be honest, uh, wasn't much of a Mike Pyle he was fighting there. Right, guys? And that was his best win. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Zach Otto did take this on short notice, but in his defense, it looked like uh, from his Instagram, at least he was training for this, or, or at least trying to buck to be on this card, which, which I assume that means he was training for it. Uh, that being said, you know, Dwight Grant, um, lifelong martial artist. I really, I really enjoyed his interview with, uh, with James Lynch, actually, and then the video games that dude was bringing up really freaking brought me back. That Spider-Man game he was talking about, that Carnage one was was the shit. I love that game, too. Um, but, no, you know, training at AKA and really revamped himself. Been training there for a minute, too. Not like a, a recent thing. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I mean, he, he looked really composed. He was defending, building off of his success, adding the follow-up, uh, left hook off the right hand, kind of like commentary called for. And uh, I, see the, I see those things really being a, a hard matchup. An athletic guy who's... Uh, you know, we'll see how well he can defend the takedowns. But if he can defend those takedowns, he can get Zach Otto. But, I mean, I, I don't know if I trust trust that line at minus 280. Uh, but but Dwight Grant is, is the pick here. All right, next up, main card time. Charles Oliveira, minus 320. Jim Miller, plus 260. Uh, again, another – well, I don't even want to say it's a biased pick because, you know what, I picked against Miller a bunch of times, and he's one of my favorite fighters ever. So for what that's worth – I have picked against Miller a bunch of times, and usually rightfully so. But you know what? I'm picking Miller this time. Um, he show, you know, he still got pop in his hand. He still got enough pop in his hands. He showed in his last fight against Alex White, 
And uh, if he could do that to Alex White, then I, I think he can hit Dubronx enough enough to change his mind to give a submission or check out early. That being said, Dubronx has really not done that in the last couple of fights. When I'm back to watch his, his recent fights, um, you know, uh, granted he choked out Clay Guida. I don't really count that. But even the Chris Asiago's fight, I mean, there there were some even some moments there and stuff where I was really impressed and he showed maturity uh, to go against those typical stereotypes of, 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 of Charles Oliveira. Uh, amazing guy. I mean, how can you not be happy for that guy, dude? Breaking Hoist Gracie's uh, submission record? If you're a guy like freaking Lance Fischel who's just been betting sub on that guy, I wonder what your, what your profit is just by betting Charles Oliveira sub. So, yeah, he should be the favorite. I, I, I like watching the guy fight. It's always fun fights. Um, I'm not hating on any of that, but I, I got Miller here, you know. he, It was fucking 10 years ago or 8 years ago or some shit, but, uh, but yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Miller's been submitted, too. They've both been submitted by guillotines and chokes before. Oh, I'm so tired here, but goddamn. Uh, I'm, riding, I'm riding with Miller here, folks. So sue me. I may have sprinkled on him, too. Rob Font, my next fight, minus 160. Sergio Pettis, the dog, plus 140. Um, I'm taking Font here. Uh, both guys are uncomfortable. To me, they're, they're, they're very similar fighters. Um, obviously, Pettis more of a different st styling of striking, right? Right. Pettis got that pull and return counters, which which Font does too. But Pettis almost has the more uh, has a, some kind of has that karate twang to him sometimes, uh, depending what stance. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I like Font here. I just think he's the, the uh, he's the bigger, more potent man. And with a more clear path, which I think he's going to get the TKO here, to be honest. Um, which would suck for Sergio to get TKO'd in, in his hometown. I'm not wishing that upon the guy, but that's just kind of how I see the fight playing out. Um, they both don't like being on their back and can get complacent there because they've learned their lesson from being submitted. So now they overcorrect the steering wheel and be defensive. That said, I don't know how much they're going to have to deal with that. But I will say, um, though Sergio Pettis does have underrated wrestling, I would say more... He's improved more defensively lately than anything else. You know, minus a guy like Henry Cejudo taking him down, obviously. Whereas Rob Font, and it got him into trouble, you know, uh, against uh, Pedro Munoz. But he does do, uh, you know, late, late round takedowns and show that he's not afraid to do that. So I could see him winning rounds and securing, stamping uh, rounds of tight exchanges if he's not able to get a finish. So uh, I don't blame people playing Font. Uh, I see him getting the TKO there. All right. Uh, next fight. Oh, this one's Controversy City. Dan Hooker, minus 120 favorite. Edson Barbosa, plus 100. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. I, uh, I, th this fight was uh, close to even with Edson as a slight favorite when I broke it down last week. And I, that surprised me alone. I thought Edson should have been a little bit of a bigger favorite than that, you know? I thought Edson should have been, like, you know, at least minus, like, at least minus 145. Uh, or minus 155 or something like that, right? But, yeah, it, it surprised me, man. Edson should be the favorite. I, I had a hard time thinking about the, this fight after I watched footage on it. I remember I even, last week I even went for a run to think about it, and then I came back. I'm like, you know, fuck, you're thinking about this too much. I'm just going to take – I'm taking Dan uh, Hooker here. Uh, and it's hard to see Edson Barbosa lose fucking three in a row. This should be a pick-me-back-up fight, but – Dan Hook and I, I picked Dan Hooker, so I don't want to say he's proved me wrong, but he's overperformed even when I picked him. Like, uh, it's, it really surprised me when he's since he's moved into 155. Um, and I just see that sharp counter left cross uh, or or right hand, depending on which stance Dan wants to use. He could fight from both stances. 
uh, hitting Barbosa. It was something that we saw early that kind of led to some, you know, the, the, the Donald Cerrone loss and things like that. I see that kind of a scenario playing out. Uh, and I'm not trying to overblow Barbosa's chin. I think Barbosa is two losses, though he's coming up two losses. Those are impressive, man. He was able to take fucking beatings from, in my opinion, uh, well, obviously top guy in, 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 in Habib, but, you know, top three guy with Kevin Lee. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was a doctor stoppage, thankfully so. I'm not arguing it, but, I mean, Edson showed that, you know, in the third round of both those fights that he can still hit you with a spin kick to the head. And, he, you know, this guy does not go away easy at this stage of his career, even still. So the strong fate on him, I caution people doing that, which it looks like uh, MMA Twitter is, man. Like, again, I, I recorded my video last week, and then once as soon as, like, Monday hit, I started. I saw a Sunday or Monday hit. I saw Barboza start hitting dog money. I was like, "What the?" I it made me that that out of principle made me regret my pick. But my my pick is my pick. My analysis, my analysis, guys, and you know me. I stick to it. Um, so even though I was really tempted, because I feel like you should just play Edson Barboza as a dog money out of principle at that line. Um, I didn't because I stuck to my pick of not only stuck to my pick of Dan Hooker, but Stuck to my opinion, more importantly, of this being an avoid. This is on my avoid list. This is a fight you just want to enjoy, folks. This is fucking so much could happen. Now, if you did play Barbosa, fucking good luck to you. That's that's where the smart money is. The more experienced guy that should win the fight has a plus number next to his uh, name. Say no more. Uh, I, I'm not arguing with you. Good luck to you. But uh, for the reason I stated, I'm not I'm not trying to retract here cleverly. I'm just being honest with my feelings. But at the same time, at the end of the day, standing my ground with my pick. Uh, I'll go with Hooker for, even though it doesn't represent on the odds, I'm going with Hooker for what I feel would be the upset if he wins. All right, Kevin Lee, minus 350, headlines against Ally Quinta, plus 290 in their rematch, um, which happened like five years ago. Uh, yeah, I, I can see why the, the line inflated on Kevin Lee, though I still kind of get worried because Ally Quinta can punch. He's accurate with the shot selection and placements, and Kevin Lee has shown he can get hit before, but... Again, like I gave credit to Barbosa in that fight. You got to give credit to Lee in that fight, too, because that was one of his... How will he do in the three rounds? How will he do against a striker? What will he do if he gets rocked? And he he showed he could pass all those tests through the most adverse uh, colors, if you will, being thrown his way. So uh, props to Kevin Lee there for that, you know? Um, and, and I just love his game, you know? I don't compare guys rear naked choking on a BJ Penn for nothing. And this dude just a, a crushing back taker. He's destructive. His grappling on top, his ground and pound, and his striking's looking better. Shifting stances. He hits Edson Barbosa with that body kick that kind of moves him over. Granted, Edson kind of was out of position from what he threw, but still, I mean, he was just he was swinging. And granted, that was after he wrestled him. Still, Khabib did the same thing, but I, I dare say Kevin did it better, more impressively. And uh, and that doesn't mean he's a better fighter than Khabib or that he would win against Khabib. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm crediting Kevin as a fighter here, folks. So, so put the pitchforks down. Uh, not coming at Khabib. Hell, I wore a fucking Mahachkala fucking Dagestan sweater on like half my breakdowns this week, I felt like, because I, I filmed a lot of them on the same day. So sorry, sorry to peek behind that curtain, folks, if you see me wearing the same stuff a lot of the times. We had a lot of content to put out, all right? I think I had like nine videos total recorded uh, between daily debates and, uh, or, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I can't remember this point, guys. It's been a long week. Um, but, yeah, uh, I don't want to count out Rage now. You know, he's real quiet. He, I think he, he downplays 
a lot of his training and the seriousness about his training, but it still worries me at the end of the day because he hasn't been consistent at the end of the day as far as how many times he's fought and whatnot. And, and yeah, I think that Kevin Lee's a much more better wrestler. He was just a noob then. He wasn't even with Extreme Couture, Tour, you know. He'll say so himself. You know, he wasn't able to really chain his game the way he is now. Uh, I think he's going to be able to get those takedowns, and uh, his striking is obviously in a much better place. Uh, and, uh, and so is Al's, obviously, but, I mean, as far as what we've seen him put through in the gauntlet. So um, I'll take Kevin Lee here. I don't blame anybody for putting him in a parlay. Something, I don't know, maybe it's my, my scarcity of the main event. I'm just getting too much in my head these days. But, uh, all right, so let's recap the picks and plays here at 135-ish. All right, so uh, we'll go the same order that I broke things down in, and then I'll, I'll give you some plays that kind of caught my eye. Um, uh, all right, so uh, I got Michael Chandler over Brett Primus, Bellator 212. I got Miro over Ayala. I got Velasquez over Lara. I got McKee over Crawford. I got Campos over Cecilia. Uh, I got Claxon, whoever he's fighting. Damn, that sounds real confident. Uh, Bellator 213, I have McFarlane over Letourneau. I have Machida over Carvalho. Uh, I have Gracie over Ruth. By the way, here's a, again, I'm not, I, I'm not playing any of the fights I'm covering, but I saw this lineup on five dimes. It had me curious. Uh, you know, kind of interesting. Just throw it out there. I'll leave it at that. Gracie Ruth goes three-round distance, like plus 330 or some shit. Or 230 or 330, I can't get my handwriting, but I don't know. I actually could see that. Uh, I could see even if Ruth, like, tags them, like, Grace are good at surviving. They just go to their back and, like, come on to my back, and they kill the time and recover, and I could see them maybe even doing that and, you know, getting desperate at times, but but surviving the rounds. Um, maybe worth a look at there. But, all right, I got Lawal over McGeary. I got Dung over Oliveira. All right, UFC on Fox. I got Juan Adams over Chris De La Hocha, Zach Cummings over Trevor Smith, Adam Milstead over Mike Rodriguez, Dan Ige over Jordan Griffin, Gerald Mearshart over Jack Hermanson, Jared Gordon over Joaquim Silva, uh, Jakar Close over Bobby Green, uh, Jessica Rose Clark over Andrea Lee, Dwight Grant over Zach Otto, Jim Miller over Charles Oliveira, Rob Font over Sergio Pettis, Dan Hooker over Edson Barbosa and Kevin Lee over Al Iaquinta. Um, you know, if you're looking at parlay pieces, maybe uh, I don't want to recommend any this week, to be honest. Uh, I don't know, straight plays, you know, you know I, may, I may or may not have sprinkled on some biased dogs for, for myself, uh, some Miller and some uh, Miller plus 260. I, I threw a unit. Clark plus 205. I threw a, a unit there. Ige minus 170. I played it straight. Minus uh, 1.75 units. Um, sprinkled on the Ige sub. I sprinkled on the coming sub. Plus 270. I put uh, just, a, just a quarter unit on those. Just a fun sprinkle. I'm not getting too crazy this weekend. Fights to avoid. Andrea Lee versus Jessica Rose Clark. Gerald Mearshart versus Jack Hermanson. And Edson Barbosa versus Dan Hooker. Thank you guys for sitting through that. You guys are savages for uh, listening to this podcast for one, listening to this episode in the limited time frame that I gave you this week for two, and for three for you extra savages who didn't skip uh, the beginning and, and sat through that history that history and background a bit. Um, thank you for that. Um, 
hopefully it was actually somewhat entertaining and kind of cool. Uh, Amazon, iTunes, and on it if you want to show love. Amazon and iTunes banners at the aforementioned MixedMarshallAnalyst.com where you can listen to this on smartphone-friendly players. Or on iTunes, we can leave us five-star ratings and reviews which help the show. Um, this is awesome, guys. Uh, we'll talk more next week. i got a top five coming your way with a new guest. Uh, we'll tease that at the appropriate time. Way too much. i got to get out of here, get some sleep, get this edited, and wake up for uh, Wayans, Bell's Tour 213 Wayans tomorrow. And uh, it's going to be a good time, folks. So good luck on enjoying these flights. Good luck on your picks and plays. Love your family. And always protect your neck. Dream of dreams really do come true.